Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, what up? This is Michael Rappaport, and you are now listening to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Yo, this ain't a documentary, but it's going to feel like it. On today's episode of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, we have the M-E-T-H-O-D man, M-E-T-H-O-D man. I got Method Man rocking with me on today's episode. One of the most iconic and unique voices, literally, of music in the last 30 years from one of the best groups, one of the most influential groups of all time, the Wu-Tang Clan. I got Method Man with me. We're talking acting. We're talking being scared shitless of the auditioning process. Stories about his new show, The Deuce, on HBO. The making of The What with Biggie Smalls. Wu-Tang in the van on the way to early show stories and so much more. Coming up next, the great M-E-T-H-O-D man, Met the Man is with me on today's I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Let's go. All right. 
motherfucking Method Man. Nice. This table is very nice. You, you know how to work the mics with meth. You already. The motherfucking yeah. Method Man is in yeah. the building for the I Am Rap Poor Stereo Podcast. <laughs> and you know, I was thinking meth. Yeah. We work together, but we've never been on screen together because right. Copland. Copland, yep. And uh, Boston Public. Boston Public. Dave like, you got like a full resume of acting and obviously a full resume as an MC. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's hard work, too, brother. It's not easy, man, because, you know, you definitely can't do both at the same time. I tried. When, when you, what do you mean you can't do both at the same time? You can't act and do music at the same time. The music career is so demanding, especially when you're hot or you're in a hot group and, you know, that's touring situations, more albums, things like that. And when you do movies or TV, it's time lockouts. So right. It's hard to do both. But can you go from the set of Copland or the set of whatever, the set of the deuce and go into the studio and, and work on a song. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely can. But that's that's convenient for me. You could record, yeah, but, but like but like doing the, the, the rounds of a new record coming out. Right. You have to travel. And um, let's say uh, I have to do a radio run on the East Coast. Right. But I'm filming on the West Coast. You know how difficult that, shit is, that, is. that shit is. Right. Tough. When I did The Wire, for instance, not The Wire, uh, Oz. When I did Oz, right. for instance, I spent my tour money flying private jets back and forth so I can make it on set on right. time for The Wire. How much is the, with the, are the private? 35 grand. Damn. 35 grand. How much money do you think you spent on private jets? Um, not a lot because we don't do it too 35 often. 35 fucking grand. Yeah, and I did it Cause because... So you can have the flight when you need the flight and the money's coming in. Well, I was flying from New York to the show and then back to New York. God damn just it. Just so I can be on set at 6 a.m. And you, you, know. you, you, you grinding. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. So at this point that you've, you, you've racked up like a legitimate, thick acting career. Yeah. Legitimate, thick rapping career. Yeah. Do you approach them differently? Because there's so few rappers slash actors that, that have, have made it. Obviously, right. you know, Ice-T, yeah. LL Cool J are, are sort of the, you know, and they're, they're from the essence. And I'm so happy both of them have rocked because yeah. like, you, you, you take them for granted. Yeah. You know, especially like. Especially their body of work. Especially LL. A lot of people take L for granted. I mean, he's L. like a top five motherfucker. I mean, when I was in high school, I think he was 16 when he dropped his first album. Right. When we were, this was like my first year in high school, 13 years old, I guess. And we were LL'd out. I mean, his 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 cadence and rhyming, because I was always a flow dude. Right. So I peeped his whole cadence. He would do two rhyming words in between his two rhyming words. So let's say if it was. Um, uh, I'm on a mission. Don't get up because I'm taking no shorts. I bust a cap and it's like that, and I will give it no thought. So you got the, the rhyming word that rhymes with thought is right. still there, but then you got two other rhyming words before you get to the rhyming word that rhymes with thought. And I heard a lot of dudes bite, and they run DMC bit it. They can't deny it. They bit that shit too. Um, I forgot what it was. I'm just a Britain, just a Britain. I forgot what song it was, but a lot of Run had a lot of LLs flowing his whole cadence after LL. So, out. so when you when you listen to like LL, when you listen to shit like that. Obviously, you listen to a song like like everybody else, but then when you start dissecting it as an mm -hmm. MC, you're dissecting like that little innuendo because I never Absolutely. like that's like the little shit that I never even thought of. Yeah, see, for me, it's always been about cadence. It's always been about flow. So if you could flow, to me, it it I mean, the words do matter, makes it all the more better. 
but a song when you have songwriters and they write songs and they're writing melodies right to go with the music or sometimes they'll hum a melody and add the music to it so for me it's always been essential that whenever i rhyme on a track it has to match the music in some way shape form or fashion whether it's the hook or the flow right your flow to me is one of the best i appreciate you Like just the flow, like, and I, I mean, there's so much. Like, I want to talk about acting, but like the flow of shit, and like your flow, like you fucked my head up. I hit you, I saw you yeah, on you sway with Black Thought, yeah. And the thing that fucked my head up was that you were rocking. You had written some shit on your phone, mm-hmm. and and you and Black Thought were going back and forth. But the but it wasn't just like you were like cat bat rap like no. you read some shit then you get in Spanish and I was like what the yes, fuck and it was it was sir. kind of a complicated yeah that's rhyme. why there was no way I was gonna say that rhyme without looking at my phone I got a lot of flack about it which I don't care oh, about because I'm dope you know Ooh. how fanboys is hip hop so called purists there are no hip hop you didn't purists. say you were freestyling exactly and um. Whether people know it or not, yes, Black Thought didn't read off paper, but Black Thought is a machine. He's a machine. He basically performs every night. He's a freak. With Fallon. You know what I mean? So he, he the words are always in his head. For and me, he could do other people's songs off the top. Like, he's just a freak. Exactly. Like, like he, he could, you could do like, yo, let's do Bring the Pain. You might not remember. Or and this know random Wu-Tang song. Like, the way his brain works. And he knows every word. So, you know, you can't compare the two for one. And he's dope. He's one of my top five, hands down. He's but sick. I use the same technique when I do my acting it's it's a it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer it has to whatever the flow of that scene is you have to get into that flow it's like being the only person in a dope-ass picture but your pose fucked the whole picture up for everybody right you know what i mean right i will not be that dude wait so specifically the sway shit yeah do you write because obviously when you first started rhyming you guys are pen and papers but that rhyme the thing that bugged me out was also seeing you rock off the phone and right. I'm like yo do motherfuckers like met the man rock off like do you write your rhymes on the phone yeah I write it on the phone now because it's way more convenient you know how many rhyme notebooks I've lost but do you we, we, like that particular rhyme were you right. like that's just some shit like are you, is that from a song or you're just like in the car and you're just thinking you're like how does it work it always, now with you is, oh, are you writing me? a song or like what the fuck was that specifically um that was just the verse that I had wrote right and um it was to show my son that I'm still dope. He wanted me to do something with him. And um, what I did was I said, okay, I'm going to spit on this joint, saying to myself, but I'm going to spank his ass at the same time to let him know. You know, if your son stick his chest out and this is your son, you're going to have to knock him down a few pages. Does he rhyme? Yeah, he does. How old is he? He's 21. Okay, so so he wanted to see if you had some shit. Um, I'm thinking that's what it was. In my head, that's what it was. Friendly competition, and I 
aired his ass out and that was the first shit came to my head right there like okay this is this is the way it's going to be and this is how i'm gonna put it down but then i'm gonna go a whole different direction with this little bit of spanish i learned from the time at the statue of liberty and get it pop i'm sipping oj in the bronco next to this henny bottle skinny model she clearly sniffing that benny blanco mommy te amo no cigar but she got a blando she got my mando this ain't the combo for me i'm mono let's get it pronto have my burrow siciliano i spit bananas since no one managed to kill banano got Bad grammar, but y'all don't quote me. I keep it bammer like Thor, and I get low key, so keep a hammer. Ah! But do, so when you're writing a rhyme now, yeah, like because whatever you were doing, sway that wasn't the beat. That was like, are you writing a rhyme to your head? Like if you're like, I'm in Mike Rappaport's crib, or the, like, are you thinking of the beat, or are you thinking of like, how does it work? In- I always write to now for me. Because I see where you're going with it. For me, it's because you know, like I said, the flow has to go with the beat. Um, for me. There's so many, not just melodies, the melody on top of the beat, the beat itself, the percussions, the snare, shit like that. When you're rhyming to that, it's so many beats that are familiar to that, whether it's BPMs or right. however you want to do it. And the rhyme will fit certain things. Right. And you'll know by your first six bars in your head if it fits. If that I got don't you. fit, move on to the next one. First six the next- bars. Yeah, the, ne- the next rhyme. Dum, boom, 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 boom. Okay, that fits. Let me rock this one. You you said the thing about like a scene like for me I'm not a musician right. I love music right. I'm a fan and hip hop and flow and rhythm of a scene and rhythm of an actor mm-hmm. like you were saying is is so fucking important it's to me key. Yes, like it you is. know like you're going back and forth and yeah. you know and then you like sometimes I like to play with like a pause yeah. you know like double up the pause yeah. like you because sometimes like if you go okay or you could go. Okay, like you, you, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm not a musician, and like I think I have basic good rhythm, but the same thing applies like when you're doing a scene. So when you get a scene, like a, a thick, chunky scene, mm-hmm. you're fucking with the, like in your head, you're fucking with the rhythms or like fuck with your, your, your script. Like, how do you get down with it? What I do is, first thing I do is um, I get it down. First, I get the word, the verbiage down, the words and everything. Then I say to myself, now, how would I say this to make it comfortable coming out of my mouth? Right. And usually when it's good writing, it's easy. Right. It's very easy to memorize and it's very easy to put in your own words. People don't understand. Yeah. People always ask, like, is it hard to remember? First of all, when you're doing a scene, you're you're only shooting little clips of it. Exactly. But good writing. Yeah, right on, spot on. It's like everything just fits. So you sit there and you you start to, you know, you're going through it, you're going through it. And you um for me, it's once I've gone through it and I know it, I forget everything that I did. And then I, when we uh, actually go on for rehearsal, that's right. when I'm getting my shit right there. Right. That's when I'm seeing it. You know what I mean? Even if the person's reading off paper, it's like the feel of the setting. Right. And what we're doing, I'm in it now. Right. I go back to hair and makeup. Now it's in my head the right. way it's supposed to be saying because I hear their words also right. going with mine's. Boom. Their voice is in my head. My voice is in my head. So when we go there, like I said, I wipe that whole slate clean. I wipe that whole slate clean. We go on set. They say action and it just flows. Do you feel as comfortable now doing a scene like the deuce is like everybody's yeah. dope in there. Like yeah. it's a dope writer. You yeah. got fucking dope CGI. You got mm-hmm. dope costumes. Like it's it's as high level television as it gets. There's, you're around all sorts of, do, you yeah. know, dope people. Yes. You, you've been acting for like almost 20 years now. Yeah. About right? that. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, I, never I mean, thought whether of it was it. the first thing you did, like you've been acting for 20 years. So yes, you've sir. been on sets. You're comfortable. So when you are on a set. Are you as comfortable as if you go, if somebody said, yo, like Buster Rhymes, like, yo, 
I want you to come rock on this on this you know joint. Let's meet at the studio. Like, are you as comfortable on a film set as you are in a studio booth getting ready to spit? I would like to be, but I'm glad that I'm not because it still leaves room for growth. Those butterflies that I get, right? That means growth, right? You know what I mean. And I love being intimidated by you know uh, an actor that's made his bones and he's or she's been doing it for a long time because in that moment I'm so observant. Right. It's like it's like watching Michael Jordan play. You know what right. I'm saying? And you're taking notes without even knowing you're taking notes. Right. You know. So I I mean, hey. There's, there's two. You can't over when you over prepare. It shows, right? And I tend to do that with auditions because in my head it's like you got that one time to get it right, right and it's so much pressure right. and all that. And I'm learning to bring all that shit with me into the audition, depending on what the character is, right? You know right, right, right. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But in the end, I'm glad I made the decision I made, and I'm good with it. I want to ask you about the actors that you're um that that you've seen that you've been impressed with. But when you yeah. go to in auditions at this point, again, you've done all. All sorts of shit. Yeah. All sorts of films, uh, all sorts of movies. Auditioning is such a specific, yeah. it's such a fucked up situation. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where I, if I have to audition, I'm going there and I take, like, I say when we're going to start. Yeah. I'll stop it. Yeah. Like, let me start again. Like, yo, because like I, my in my head, I've changed my thought of audition. And now young actors, you, you could sort of, you could sort of have this in you, but you, you have to sort of earn this. But like, I'm like... The casting director needs me or one of these motherfuckers. Mm. They're there to do a job, to find Met the Man, to find Michael Rappaport, to, to find Joe Schmo, to cast, to bring to the director, to right. bring to the studio. Right. So when I'm in there, it's my fucking time. Right. So if I fuck up or I'm not coming, yo, we're going to start again. Just like when you're on a set, you start to take, or if you're in a studio, yep. you go, yo, bring that back. Yo, start the track again. again. Yep, exactly. It yep. took me like 20-something years to get there, but I'm like, yo, I'm not... I'm not no fucking flunky. I'm coming here. I'm if if you making me read for shit. Yeah. I'm coming in there like it's my space. It's my, it's my space fucking room. I, yep. But uh, I mean, you could do it in a respectful if it was way. Me, if it was me and I was Brian Grazer, you wouldn't have to read for shit. But you know, I mean, also like a lot of times, if you have to read for things, it's things that you hopefully you haven't done. Like if it's right. cop fucking New York cop guy, I'm like yo. <laughs> Either get me or get the ten other motherfuckers that are dope, dude. Like, yo, you, New York cop guy. I'm not yeah, reading for that shit. Right, right. Like, but if it. it's a librarian from Indiana who, you know, you you might right want to be like, yo, Mike Rap, you you can't come in here with that New York cop shit. Right. Mm, that's dope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you know, there's there's such stereotypes in terms of, you know, they'll say Mike Rap, he's a New York dude, he's this, or they met them. Well, he's a rapper. We can't. Right. You know, is he going to be able to you be? Know, and that's a problem for me sometimes, too, because when I walk in the room, it's hard to strip those layers of Method Man away because as soon as I walk in the room, it's Method Man. But it helps, too. Right. It helps at the same time because that, that's what got me in the fucking room in the first place. Right. You know what I mean? And um, my worst audition, I have to say, to this date was I read for Jodie Foster. And I'm such a, you know, I'm such a stand for her from the time when she was, you know... Uh, you know, taxi driver and up. Right, she just right. always exuded like that, that old soul. So I'm reading and um, I knew the words, I, uh, but it, I was overprepared. I go up in there. I mess up once. That was it. Lost it. Drew a blank. Couldn't get it back. Nothing in front of Jodie Foster. Right. And everybody in the room was like five people in there rooting for me at the same time I could tell. And so was she. Take your time, blah, blah, blah. Gave me the whole talk. Man, sweating profusely. I just, I just left. You knew you, you just yeah, couldn't get it together. Yeah, I knew it. And it was like, I'm not going to waste these people's time. I'm out of here. But I said to myself, 
I will try my best that that never, ever happens to me again, ever. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You, you got to go in there. Like, I used to go in there, like, literally, like, my mentality was, like, when I was younger and I, there would be other actors, I literally would, like, envision myself as Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in the hole. I'm not saying anything. We're not fighting each other, but I'm, I'm like, fighting myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to go in there. Fuck you. Fuck this yeah, actor. And I'm right. talking about, like... Like everybody, like when I was younger, like beautiful girls, like every motherfucking actor was there. Fuck y'all, motherfuckers. I got the towel on. Mm -hmm. I'm going into the ring, smash this shit. Because it's such a pressure filled thing. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. So, so. I have to say, I've enjoyed the majority of your performances, Mike. Thanks, man. Like, seriously, so many different, you know, uh, characters and, and, and just levels to your shit man i love it man i I appreciate that so what actors throughout your acting career have you been like yo like in a scene or like in a rehearsal where you're like yo this motherfucker's really good forget the fan stuff right because like where you were just like somebody's talent impressed you within a scene uh sheetle don sheetle uh Uh, that scene in uh devil in a blue dress uh with him and uh uh, Denzel sitting at the table talking to each other. Whoa, that was so like. They, I mean, at, Don can do anything. He's you know? dope. He's very smart. He's a smart dude, and he, you know, he can basically do anything. And Gary Oldham in a movie you were in, True Romance. He's good. He, you know, he killed it. I mean, I mean, I, I watch it now and see little flaws and things, but he went for it yeah you gotta admire his courage yeah 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 for going for it and yeah. i thoroughly enjoyed his performance in true romance what about when you're in front of them like the <sighs> scenes that you've been in actors that you've oh, been in okay. front of oh uh, maggie maggie gyllenhaal she's she, good right she's a oh man like what makes her good no ego um she's raw she's real and uh not afraid okay that's it right there and um the fact that she treated me with the respect of a a, uh, a seasoned vet right. when we did our, our scene. And I knew what it was. She just wanted me to give my best so we both would look, you know, so I wouldn't be the fucked up person in the portrait. Right, right. You know what I mean? And uh, we, from rehearsal, I mean, on a day that she worked, I came in for a rehearsal with her for that scene that we did. And very gracious. And um, when we did it, even when we did it, in rehearsal, just me and her by ourselves, it was like I got stuck, didn't couldn't say my line. She's and shit she's, because she's she, in the she's flowing. Yeah, yeah, flowing like crazy. Like yeah, she was in that zone, and um, not an actor so to speak, but a director, Ooh. Tom McCarthy. Okay, McCarthy. Um, and I'm still in awe of this man. Um, he's the one that got me full fledged back into acting again without even knowing he did. Um, we hit it off great from my first meeting. Um, the rehearsals were great. What did he direct you in? Uh, the Cobbler. Okay. With Adam Sandler. Okay. And I mean, every day I would show up to work just eager to learn something new. And the way he... It's, I learned that there are directors that direct, you know, they know cameras. Right. And then there are directors that know actors. Right. Or they were former actors. And um, those, to my opinion, are the best ones because Tom... He didn't have to baby step me through anything, but he spoke in a language that I could understand. I got you. You know, it wasn't technical. It was guy shit. I got That's you. That's what we were calling it, guy shit. I got and you. 
when I got it, it was like, oh, shit, I had this epiphany. Like, oh, so this is what everybody was fucking talking about and what they were doing. And after that, it was like I just had this hunger to do more shit. To, to keep acting. Yeah, to keep acting. So what do you, you want to keep going, right? Yeah, I do. Do you love it? Yeah, I do. Who who are your, like, if people always say top five rappers. Who are your top five actors? Like, mm. your favorites that mm. you just love, that you'll go sight unseen. Because for me, right now, I just saw him, I mean, this is the, the obvious choice, but Denzel Washington to me, yeah. like, they talk about the goat. I just saw him in this Ishmael, I can't remember the film, the, the, where he's playing. Esquire, the, yeah. Yo, this motherfucker is like, you know, I equate him. He, he's like Allen Iverson of acting because he can take. There's a bunch of movies he's made that if you would put anybody else in there, they go to like sort of not good, maybe B level. He takes the shit and raises it every fucking thing. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, Tom Hanks even had to admit <laughs> yep. that, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he got a lot of his shit from that movie Philadelphia when they did that movie together. Like I've stolen a lot of things from Denzel Washington. I believe we all have yeah. at a certain point, man. The guy is just phenomenal. My top five though. Top five actors. He's definitely in there. So let's just say top four now. Okay. Um, Sheetle. Yep. Um, who, of course, Oldham, Gary Oldman. Yep. Yeah. Um, my guy, uh, Hardy, Tom Hardy. Yeah, he's dope. Tom Hardy is he's dope. dope. What's that, three? Denzel, four? Um, so I got my two black guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and uh, the guy, uh, what's his name? He played in the, the I, I'm so mad, Quantum. I don't want to say his oh, name wrong. Oh, um, David. Uh, he was in the, uh, the uh, Godzilla movie. He was like, let them fight. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Asian guy, that yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everything I've seen him in, he's just bomb, right? Oh, and uh, Daniel Day Lewis, uh, he's I, I dope just, too. I have to throw him in there, honorable mention, man, because he's your sixth man. He's he's serious. I mean, there's so many, but top five. You said top five because DiCaprio is definitely yeah, about to put too. himself in, man. Man, it's like he's in that Cary Grant. Uh, you know what I mean? Those yeah. guys. You he's know what I'm saying? Shit. Yeah. So what's been the response of the Deuce? People like it. Did you guys shoot that shit on green screen? Was it sets? Because um, some of that so. shit, the exterior, because I did a show that was, it had green screen, and the way they, they could do it now, mm -hmm. or I don't know what the fuck, it's not even green screen, C CGI. They yeah. made it look like we were in the 60s in New York. Yeah. When you, when you guys shot the deuce, what's the deal? Like the oh, clothes, man. like we're all the clothes are... Authentic. Everything was authentic. They have to custom make your shit though, because you're a big motherfucker. Yeah, they're, like pimps. They're, pimps they're, in the seventies, they weren't six four. This is the most I had to show up to wardrobe ever on any project. They custom your shit. That. Yeah, they had to. Well, not well. You know, they got the old clothes from, and then they would, you know, tailor it right to your size. And um, I remember there was a problem with the guys on set with underwear because they could see, and they didn't wear boxer drawers back then. So what? My solution was either to wear no drawers or uh, tidy whities or like those, uh, you know, the panty drawers. Right. You know what Banana I'm saying? Banana hammocks. That, there you go. <laughs> Banana hammocks. <laughs> there you go. But as far as the set, the cars, everything for like three blocks, we shot uptown uh, between 160th and 169th. Um, the cars authentic. Uh, the set f uh, for like two, three blocks authentic. They cheat that. They cheat that. Right. And um, I guess... There's some green screen, of course. Because they add, it. like, the they depth and the shit? Depth. Yep, some CGI to it. Being on that set and seeing, you know, they basically took it back. Even the, the marquee right. out there was real. 
they built that themselves. Big ups to the set designers. Big up to costume, hair, makeup. All of you guys did your thing. Did people, like, what has been the reaction to the show? Because, you know, like, one of the things that people talking about, you know, you and Black Thought, you guys are pimps. Mm. You know, it's funny because we're we're in such a crazy, like, fucking day-to-day with, you know, like, I I was just thinking, like, in in regards to hip-hop, like, 80s hip-hop, two shows, like, there was Mm -hmm. so much vulgarity. There was so much wild shit. Yeah. And now we're in a place... Like, I don't even listen to these young dudes. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. But, like, do you think, like, hip-hop from the 80s and the 90s would fly today in terms of the content? Um, In this PC world, probably. It'd probably be hotter. <laughs> It'd probably be hotter. I mean, public enemy right now is needed. Yes. If, if, that's just my opinion. Yes. I mean, I get, but like I, talk like sex. Yeah, Coogee. I get what you're saying. I get, I get exactly what you're saying. And we're in that era now, man. I'm telling you, like everything, pretty much flies. But some things, like you say, just don't fly with certain groups. But who's paying attention to them right now? The millennials are running. And I hate that word too, by the way. I hate the but it's word, true. But it's true. They're running whatever the fuck you everything. call them. Right. They're running every. We were exogenous. X-Geners, X, X generation, yeah. X generation, generation X, generation X, but you, you motherfuckers, like, <laughs> like I'm such a fan of hip hop and mm. like, it means so much to me. And like, when I was like, yo, met the man's coming over and I'm like, I just think about like, do you know, like the day that 36 chambers came out is the same day that midnight marauders came out. Yeah. I remember that. And then I'm like, they slaughtered us too. They killed us. Did they? Yeah. 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 They killed us on sales. So did, did you guys know each other? Like, did, like, where were you before 36 Chambers? Like, cause we were 36, around. Like, had you rocked on any shit? We were around. They have, I remember they used to do like the um, the music seminars in New York. We were at those, you know. Uh, this was prior to the album dropping, but we had singles out. You right. You know what I mean? Um, I remember meeting Biggie at the Muse. Um, um, Yo-Yo had performed there that year, too. Um, yeah, that was my first time meeting Big. But it was just a bunch of... Um, different you know how they do it they have these conventions and then you go to all these clubs and see all this new music from these new artists right and and yeah we were we were part of that so we we were familiar with tribe we had met tribe a couple of times um but once we kicked off and we did arsenio was when i really got time to sit down and kick it with q-tip mostly right that that was my man you know what i'm saying and um but during that whole Thing right there, Wu Tang was anti everybody. We ain't really mess with nobody, and we were so deep, people wouldn't approach us. There were like fifty. It was more than that, but they weren't all rappers. It was like family and friends. It was and just our, everybody. Yeah, and Mook would show up with the t-shirts. Right. Give everybody a t-shirt, all different kind of colors, and we walking up in there looking like a pack of Skittles with these big ass W's on these t-shirts, and it was something about that era in the 90s where t-shirts was the new lick everybody t-shirt game was up i think it started with naughty because we didn't reinvent the wheel because naughty by nature had naughty wear before we even thought of wear. you know what i'm saying and um i remember everybody was clamoring for either a naughty wear t-shirt uh walker wear was big right um but it was like that t-shirt game and by us coming through and nobody really knowing who the MCs was. They knew the music, but they didn't know who the MCs was. In, in Wu Tang. In Wu Tang, it, it was just it just took on this whole mystique of its own. You know what I mean? Right. No, I, I mean it's still like that because you never know. That's why I wouldn't recommend anybody saying too many sideways things about the clan because our, our arms reach very long, and not all of us got faces that are in front of cameras. Got you. 
Yeah. So so Biggie. So so all right. So so Big. You you met Big. What do you remember when you did the what with him? Oh man, I remember like, I had to sneak to go do it. That's something everybody don't know. How? Um, Why? Because you know, like I said, Wu Tang was anti everybody. Well, not anti everybody. We just we knew the value of what we were doing, and we didn't want to share the money with anybody. So right. doing records, using one of your hottest artists in your crew to do records with other motherfuckers, it's like you sharing money. You taking money out of our mouths and sharing it with these motherfuckers, and they using you to get more money or whatever. But I liked Big. Right. And my boy Ray the Ruckus, who's still around the way. He put me on the big first. It was a song called Me and My Bitch. Right. And he was like, you need to do a song with this motherfucker. You ever do a song with somebody, do a song with this motherfucker. I had to sneak and go do How High too, but we're not going to talk about that. Not yet. Um, but yeah, Tracy Waples, who um, yep, yep. got me my deal at Def Jam. Shout out to Tracy Waples. I never got her a plaque either. I feel bad about that. Get her that plaque, man. I should. I should. I owe her a lot, man. She um, was very instrumental in my career in the beginning. Um, she came through and scooped me up. I didn't tell nobody I was going to do it, you know. But prior to that, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Prior to that, like I said, that night at the Muse when I met Big, he approached me. He had the Big shirt on because, you know, back then you make a video. Right. You're going to wear the shit you had on in the video so everybody know it's you. So right. he had the B.I.G. shirt on. Oh, shit. He approached me and shit. He was like, yo, blah, blah, blah. A little small talk here and there. He's like, you know, I want to fuck with you do a song. I was like, yeah, you know, however, whatever. We could do it. Because I remember it. And I'm hearing my boy Ray's voice in the back of my head saying, if you ever do a song, do a song. And he was nigga. already out. Yeah, he was already out. He had the party and bullshit out. Oh, on the okay. Uptown MCA soundtrack. That was it. Time. That was it. Okay. His album wasn't out yet. Okay. From there, you know, Tracy had a relationship with Puffy. Right. And we've always seen Puffy. Right. Everywhere Everybody, we if you grew at, up in New York, Puffy was there. If you was in New York in the yeah. late 80s, 90s, you've seen Puffy. Been Puffy a boss. party. Been a boss. Always. And y'all can say whatever y'all want to say about Puff. Puff, been a boss. Yeah. He's very instrumental in hip hop. Yeah. Um, so Tracy comes and scoops me. I don't tell nobody where I'm going. They, they could have murdered me that night. Who knows? Knock on wood. <laughs> anyway, I get to the studio. It's Easy Mo there. Big there, Puff there. Me and Puff, you know why everybody get winding up and stuff. Easy Mo making the beat. Puff is wanting to play torture, so I'm airing his ass out in torture. Um, it was a very cool setting. A lot of jokes being made. But that's another thing people ain't know about Big. Very funny. He was funny. Funny as fuck. Just like, a funny Brooklyn like, motherfucker. Like Red Man funny. Like funny as fuck. Not, yeah, just funny. Funny as shit. Um, so, you know, we finally get to the song And yes, he wrote his verse He ain't say no shit off the top of the head He wrote his whole shit Big wrote his shit Yeah And I wrote my shit while I was there And, and you're he, listening to the beat writing, writing shit Writing yep, right On a pen and, and a paper On a pen and a paper And I think it took us about an hour to make that song And Even he rocked hook. first? He rocked first I used to get feels on the bitch Now I throw shields on the dick To stop me from that HIV shit And niggas know they soft like a Twinkie feeling Playing the villain Prepare for this rap killing Biggie Smalls is the illest Your style is played out Like all the one that what you talking about Willis The thrill is gone The black Frank White is here to excite Throw dick to dice You're in the studio mm -hmm. You here to be Easy Mobies making a beat you guys are like, they're putting this shit together. You're hearing that boom, boom, and uh -huh. you're rocking your shit. And he goes, and then you go, and like, or do you do both your verses? No. Um, he went, 
then I win. Here I am, I'll be damned if this ain't some shit. Time to spread the blood deliverance over harmony grit. It's the mood killer death trap. Yes, I'm a jet black ninja. Come in where you rest at, surrender. Step inside the ring, use the number one contender. Looking cold booty like your pussy in December. Nigga, stop bitching, button up your lippin'. From method, all you gettin' is the can of ass whippin'. Hey, I'll be kicking. So, uh, he went, I went. Then I went, he went, and then we came up with a hook. You know what I'm saying? And he was it's like, just what like kind that. of hook? Yeah, he was like, what kind of hook is it? And I was like, first thing popped in my head was fuck the world, fuck the world, fuck the fuck the world. Don't ask me for shit. Everything you get, yeah, everything you get, you got to work hard for it. And then he came with the honey take, yeah, you don't stop. And niggas pack the clips, keep on. You know what I'm saying? Damn Everything you get, you got the work all for it. Honey, shake your hips. You don't stop. Niggas pack the clip. Keep Yeah, it was what it was. Um, contrary to what people think, it wasn't a lot of uh, effort in hooks back in the 90s. You know what I mean? The music was cool. It was great. It had the nice vibe to it. But a lot of times, them hooks was horrible. Or they sounded alike. You know what I mean? There wasn't a lot of uh, time and effort put into those. But I guess the wordplay... And what we said in those rhymes definitely fit what we put in that hook. When you've been in the studio with, I mean, you've been in there with everybody. Mm-hmm. All of Wu-Tang, fucking, you know, Big, Buster. You've been, I'm sure you've been in watch other people for other people's sessions. Mm-hmm. What are some studio or rappers where you've seen them rock? In the studio, you were like, yo, this motherfucker is good. Just like the way you're breaking down the shit. Like, were you mm-hmm. impressed with somebody? Like, just their technique, their skill. Their inflection. I could imagine Busta Rhymes. He, he's so underrated he's and underappreciated. Yeah, he's incredible. Like the, the body of work and the flows and the... Blah, 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 like he's fucking nuts. He's a cadence king too. There's a lot of us out there that are... <coughs> you know, you have your lyricists and then you have your your, your straight just rappers. Then you got those those flowers, man. That, that It's just something about flowers. But um, for me, um, who could I say? Jizza. And, you know, I'm not to say nepotism or nothing like right. that, right? But just, I mean, just some of the wordplay and shit and just sitting there watching this this dude go in there and do it in one take is, is, is fucking amazing. And Old Dirty, because Old Dirty never spit a verse the same way twice. It was always different, as evidenced even on his album. Mm. He did the same verse on two different records. Maybe it was three different records on the same album. Uh-huh. And it sounded different every time he did it. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people won't catch that, but it's that um um I grab the mic and I damage you, crush your whole stamina, did that verse three times on that old dirty bastard return to the 36 Chambers album. But he did it different. Right. Each time. It was always like that. Even when It's like some jazz shit, the way John Coltrane does like my favorite things, all different. Right. Or like Tom Waits would do it. He never right. did eggs and sausage. You know, the same way it sounded on right. the record. You right. know what I mean? Maybe even the the intro to The Wire. Uh, I don't think he ever did that the same way if he performed it live right. or whatever. But it, it's just something about that. That's when you know what a true artist is. And Dirty grew up in a in a, a musical household, from my understanding. His mother sang, you know what I mean? And they always had some records playing. Even when it wasn't a party, there was some some music playing. So he, he had a, a deep catalog in his head of just hit songs. The thing that used to drive me crazy on the road was 
when him and Ghost got together. And this is before tour buses. We were in 15 passenger vans going from state to state on the road at odd hours of like three, four in the morning, traveling for five, six hours. The Wu Tang Clan. The Wu Tang Clan. 15 passenger vans sleeping, slobbing on each other's shoulders. And if Ghost got that front seat or Old Dirty got that front seat, they were popping these tapes with. And I love soul music. They were popping all this doo-wop shit. I'm not going to say I hate doo-wop. There's some of it I like, but I got a real disdain for for a lot of doo-wop music. Not the, you're a big girl now. All that is gravy. But when you do, 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 go through. No, my, no, no. And they were rocking it over and over and over. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, for hours and then if master killer got the front seat a little bit better because killer was on that snoop dog that okay. snoop dog first album and i mean we would listen to that front back back front cd and tape because sometimes when we got that passenger van you know it had a cd in there so you could put the cd in that joint and just ride out so, that's yeah. fucking dope yeah. Do you, you're a father now? You, you you know like we're we've grown up. Yeah, we. You have. know like I'm forty fucking seven. Yeah. I'm you know 46. like we're adults. Yes, sir. Do you miss that time? Like you know being on the road, like not knowing you know what the fuck's gonna happen. You know, or or do you like the comfort? Or is there a little like those stories when you tell them? Like it gives me goosebumps. It's like you know so special. Like do you miss that shit? Of course. I mean, I would be lying if I said I didn't. I mean, there was something pure about that because everything was brand new. You know, right. now it's like you become jaded after a while, you know, even though I still enjoy my job. I got one of the best jobs in the freaking world, which is no job. It's just every job. You right. Know? And um, you, as you <laughs> as you get I'm sort of like a real dad right now. As no, you but get we, yo, older, it's like, yeah. yo, you had a fucking career, man. Right. Like, yo, like right. 93. 36 Chambers came out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, in two, we're going in 2018. Yeah, we are. 25 fucking years ago almost. Fucking amazing. I'm about to be 50. You just least. scraped your 21-year-old son just to prove, like, you're, like yeah, you're, we're grown-ups. Yeah, you're right. You, just, you, you, you scraped him, like, you know, you, you, you wrote <laughs> yes, some I fire. Did. Yes, I did. Just specifically for his ass, too. Man, Um, but you're right. I mean, you get to a point where nothing's new anymore, and you're living vicariously through your kids or... You know, you're comfortable in the position that, or the skin that you're in enough that you just don't give a fuck. No mm-hmm. more. You know what I mean? That, that's the best way I can sum it up. Right. You know? Word. What do you listen to now? All kind of shit. I listen to some of the new stuff because, like I said, I got teenagers and, you know, young you can't adults avoid it. in my house. Right. And um, I can't front. There's, there's a lot of the newer dudes coming out now because I think they got the word. We complained enough. You know, the older cats complained enough about lyricism and things like that because we wouldn't have a problem or I'll speak for myself. I don't have a problem with any kind of music long as you're true to what your movement is. You know what I mean? Just don't do this because this is what the trend is because we shitted on rappers back in the 90s for doing right, that. Right. It's, it's basically swagger jacking. But you have to applaud some of these artists for being brave enough to step outside of the realm of what we call traditional hip hop right. and trying something new. You know, and and if it works, it fucking works. Right. If it doesn't work, well, so be it. Just don't, you know, give everybody the crown. I mean, everybody wasn't made to be superstars. Some people were just made to be 
artists. Do you think like the Instagramification is like you see these kids like they grew up on this shit? Yeah. When you talk about being in the van with Wu Tang and driving, there's no Instagram videos of that shit. Nah, nah, nah. You know, nah, you're nah. like like it, it's just you're just doing it, you're living it. But like you know, everything is sort of documented. And, well, and I, I mean, you know, that's progress. That's progress. And not to cut you off, but that's no, progress. No. And this is the reason why they have to pay homage to people like us. Because we rode in those 15 passenger vans, so they don't have to. Right. You know what I mean? This is the reason why, you know, the OGs are the way they are. And, you know, we walk around with with this uh, this burden on our shoulders of being who we were and not being, you know, recognized for it. Especially when you laid the pathway for these dudes to walk on. I mean, the first path was laid by the dudes in the 70s. It right. was a dirt road, but it was clear. You know what I mean? We came through after they did. We put a little cement and some tar down on it, made it nice and, you know, so that by the time these guys came through and shit, the streets was paved with gold, and all they had to do was walk the right path. Right. Straight like that. That was kind of good right I like there. that. That was, that, was, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was right. Dude, you, paint, you paint pictures and shit. Hey. When, when you hear these young, new, yeah. whatever. Yeah, newer, newer cats. Do you feel like you could rhyme off these beats? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you, I mean, I, I know you could if you had to, but yeah. do, do they resonate with your soul? Because for me, we talk about the flows and the lyricism. Yeah. For me, the thing that, the biggest thing that's lacking in hip hop is the craftsmanship okay, yeah. of the beats, yeah. of, of a RZA beat, of yeah. a Primo beat, of right. a large professor beat, of a fucking, you know, Easy Mo B beat. Like, you know better than fucking me, better than any, I could say, like, when you wrote your Method Man shit, like... The M-E-T-H-O-D mansion. Like, it was like, yo, if this is whack, that's it. Bye-bye. Right. FedEx. Go, yeah. You're going to the yeah. coffee store. You're, yeah. you're going to be flipping burgers. It was it. life or death. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know what was. I mean? And it was life or death, not just in your rhymes. It was life or death in the beat. If 36 Chambers is whack, there's no coming back. There is no coming back. You're right. Like, you know, and, and, the, and it started with the beat. You know, yeah. like, it started with the beat. And, like, for me, the biggest thing, like, forget the lyrics and all that shit. Like, the craftsmanship. Of, of a Primo beat or a Tip beat or yeah. a fucking Prince Paul beat or a Stetsasonic beat. Like, they were putting their life, yeah, death, and, and, and blood in that but shit. But see, to add on to that, when you heard a Q-Tip beat, you were like, that's Tip. Right. You know what I mean? That, that, that's Tip right there. You heard a uh, RZA beat. Oh, that's RZA. Eric Sherman, perfect example. You hear E-Double beat, you know that's E-Double. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that these dudes were supposed to stay in those realms or whatever, but it was that identity that separated them from the pack. In a you know good I mean? way. In a good way, exactly. Um, I'm not taking anything away from these producers now because, like I said, a lot of this music is is pretty damn good. But I don't see any identity outside of them saying who made the beat in the beginning of the record. Right. The, you don't hear the sound. Exactly. Like I don't you knew a Dr. Dre beat was. Right. You knew a Dr. Dre beat. You knew a Warren G beat. I mean, it was just a distinction between it basically showed who you were. Now, I get it because a lot of. I'm going to tell you exactly what started it. It was a lot of um, New York uh, bravado, New York, uh, you know, we the shit and all this shit, you know. And um, there were so many, I didn't notice until I started, you know, with Wu-Tang and we started traveling, that there were so many other different places that loved hip-hop and they were doing it their own way. And I'm not going to lie. Uh, one of our road people when we were on the West Coast played E-40's early stuff for us. We was in there shitting on E-40 like, what is this shit? What is this? I ain't gonna lie. I say a year later, I was one of E-40's biggest effing fans. Because it was like a foreign language. Right, right. And I didn't get it. But once I understood it and got where they were coming from, it was like, oh, this dude is 
fucking phenomenal. I, I'm glad you said that because when I first heard like NWA, yeah, it's just like sacrilegious now. But New York motherfuckers were like, it's just the Tim yeah, Tim yeah. Dog. Yeah, yeah. Yo, mm-hmm. there was a reason. It wasn't even what they were saying. It was just like, yo, what the fuck is this shit? Mm-hmm. The flow. It was the like beats. it was what we were doing in the seventies. Yeah, it was like, like and, yeah. and you know, no disrespect, but it was just it was literally like listening to Mandarin. It was like, what the fuck mm-hmm. is this shit? Mm-hmm. But you know what's crazy about that? I had some people that were out in Cali that went out to Cali to hustle or whatever, and they came back with all this Easy E shit and all that shit. Now we talking about dudes that grew up on the same hip-hop I grew up on, and they came back talking about Eazy-E, Ice-T. Matter of fact, I heard an Ice-T record when I was like 13, 14 years old and didn't know it was him, and it's still one of my top records. Six in the morning, police at my door, that shit. But anyway, they came home talking about Eazy-E's and all this shit, so now the thought's in my head, and I had a, there was a cab driver, well, he was a gypsy cab driver and shit, CB, cool motherfucker, gold teeth in his mouth, old cat, OG, and um, anytime he would drive me, he would play Too Short. Uh. He was the biggest fucking Too Short fan, born in New York, uh-huh. bred in New York, but love Too Short. Now, I ain't gonna lie, when I heard Too Short, I fell in love with Short off top. I, I knew the rhymes weren't where they needed to be, but it was just something about those beats and what he was talking about, like... Damn. I mean, he was talking... I mean, talk about PC. Yeah. Yo, Too Short was talking some wild shit. Man, but off It was like... Like, you almost felt like like you're watching, like, a porno. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was like... As a young kid, you're like, this is fuck... What is this shit? Like, am I... Is this illegal? Exactly. So now it's showing... Now the game is showing that, okay, this music is over there on the West Coast. What about down South? You got Jay Prince down there. Like, look, man... I know some niggas out here that rap better than them New York niggas and them Cali niggas. Let's put it down. They start doing their own shit. Now the thing about the South was that people failed to understand was it's more the South than it is just New York. Right. Or just California. Right. You know, the South could, could include the Midwest too because they got some Southern culture there too. Once these mo- and they always unify, they always work together. That Southern hospitality thing. We all all those artists worked together, knew each other for years and all that shit. So when the South popped off and said, fuck that, we ain't listening to y'all music no more. We got plenty of our own shit here. And all them artists started linking up. That shit started something that was unstoppable. And I applauded them. I said, even if and I was one of the first people to say, even if y'all don't appreciate that music coming out of down south, you gotta appreciate they fucking hustle. Right. Them niggas is businessmen down there. They doing a fucking thing. And from there, the world took notice and everybody and their mama from down south. Now, everybody want to go back to their roots. Everybody ATL. Everybody that. You don't hear New York in the conversation anymore, really? Does, does that bother you? As, as, God, yes. Yes. Like, we don't have like does. that. New, like, the, 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 the ASAP kids are repping. Yeah. They're hauling. But it's not like New Like Like, it was like. I didn't. I'm gonna keep it fucking funky. No one. I, listen, unless you went to Staten Island. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Meth. I've been to Staten Island. I'm 47. I've been to Staten Island one fucking time <laughs> in my life. That's real. All right. So at this point in the interview, the last three or four minutes of the interview, we were killing it so rough and rugged that the mics broke. Okay. You heard the gold, but the mics broke for the last three or four minutes of the interview. I apologize. Um, and this is how we ended it. Yo, the motherfucking meth, meth the man broke the mic. I broke it. We, we broke the shit. Yo, <laughs> I am Rapport Stereo Podcast, meth. I was going to get the uh, All Eyes on Me Tupac story. We'll get that on the next time. Mm-hmm. Meth.
met the man, broke the mother. This is the first time somebody broke the motherfucking mics on a, on a podcast. That's goddamn right. You see my rep, Tweezy. Wu Tang forever. Be easy. Uh.